welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, how are your brackets? NCAA basketball tournament in full swing, first couple of weeks. I should say the first couple of rounds of a three-week tournament in the books. Is your bracket busted? One thing I like about the NCAA tournament is that there really is a a lot of life lessons in there. And that's what I want to kind of focus on today. So for those that may not know, here's a little cliff note version of how the NCAA tournament comes around. So there's a committee that picks the, in essence, 68, but 64 teams that go to the tournament. Now, some teams might get an automatic berth, and they do that by winning their conference tournament at the end of the season. The regular season happens, then it's postseason, they have a conference tournament, the winner of your conference in that tournament gets an automatic bid. So no matter how good or how bad you are, if you win your conference tournament, you are going to the NCAA tournament, the big dance. Okay. Now, the rest of the teams then are selected by a committee, and the committee looks at the teams how they did, and then we'll pick according to how they did. And they try to usually get the best teams possible. And again, barring how many teams get the automatic bid that maybe weren't so good, some better teams might get left out. And so it's a big thing. You could spend weeks talking about it, but that's in essence what happens. A committee selects the teams, And you either get in by an automatic bid by winning your conference tournament, or if you're left out, you get selected by a committee, and then everybody else goes and cries. Then once the committee selects the teams, they will stick them in four different regions. In those regions, they will basically rank the teams or seed them, as they call them. Number one being the best, uh, number 16 probably being the not-so-best, okay? The one team will play the 16 team, so the best team, in essence, plays the worst team. The number two team will play the 15 team, and so on, okay? And then ultimately, you win, you move on, you lose, you go home, and then it whittles it down to what becomes the final four, one winner from each region, and then you have the championship game and the champion. So when the committee looks at these teams, they're looking at maybe what their record is, wins and losses, who they beat, maybe who they lost to, could be a bad thing. The strength of schedule, what conference they're in, all different types of things. Quality wins, they've got things even so confusing as a quad one win versus a quad four loss, which all means something. Again, it's all data, it's all numbers, but they come up with the selection, and then they announce it on Selection Sunday. And then the experts go to town. And the experts will tell you who they think is going to win, which teams they think are going to make a good run, but maybe not win the championship. Ultimately, they pick their champions, their final four. Maybe a couple of uh, underdogs or upsets or Cinderella stories, the Cinderella teams, as they call them. And then the rest of us will print off our brackets or we'll join some online competition we we will fill out our brackets either based on what the experts have to say maybe we have our own method maybe we have our own favorite teams we pull for but we have our own method of picking our brackets and then the tournament begins and immediately this year on day one multiple brackets busted 
as number two, Arizona, falls to number 15, Princeton. Now, it might not be so significant in the world of anything, but again, when you think about the experts, you think about this committee, you think about rankings, Arizona, a Pac-12 tournament champion, one of the better teams in the country, against Princeton, an Ivy League team, the competition in the Ivy League, isn't very good. In fact, I saw a video, again, I watch with skepticism because it is on social media, but I saw a video the night Princeton won and pulled the upset. On campus, it was dead quiet. That was the video that was being posted and being circulated. A quiet night on the Princeton campus after a huge upset in the sports world. Apparently, nobody really cared. Again, whether it's true or not, That's what was being circulated. So then, a lot of people, brackets, busted. Upstart, team, Princeton. But maybe not so much of an upset because Princeton has had success in the past. Arizona has fallen, defeat to a number 15 seed before back in 1993. So a little bit of history. Princeton wins a little. Arizona has been known to lose a little. Okay, but still an upset. A team that shouldn't have won, won. But then we get to the granddaddy of them all this year. Number one, Purdue playing number 16, Farley Dickinson. FDU, do you even know where FDU is in New Jersey? Now, before we get to the end result, a number one team up until 2017 had never lost to a number 16 team. That tells you basically how good the number one team is versus the number 16 team. I think... With the expansion, the tournament started in 1933, but with the expansion to where we are now with 64 teams, I think there's been like 250 games played, something like that, between a number one seed and a number 16 seed, and only once, and that happened in 2017, when Virginia lost to UMBC. So Purdue, one of the highly favored teams to win the championship, a number one team throughout the season, coming from the Big Ten, gets upset. Farley Dickinson, number 16, pulls an upset, knocks them off. More brackets busted. Another team that was expected to win loses. Another team that was expected to lose. And in fact, Farley Dickinson, they had to even play a play-in game to get to this tournament. And they pulled the upset. A team that should have lost and lost big got the victory. Then you look at some of the other expert picks. For example, a lot of experts were picking Duke to maybe make the Final Four, become one of the top four teams. Duke exited with a loss. How about the defending champs, Kansas, a number one team? A lot of people thought they might have been the best overall team all year. They lost, and they are out. And so you have all these favorite teams, these teams that the experts, the committees, all these basketball gurus thought were going to win, losing to teams that they shouldn't have lost to and losing to teams that typically don't win in this tournament environment. In fact, they're picked and they're placed in such a fashion where they're expected to lose because these bigger teams, these better teams, kind of get an easier path, right? If you're like, let's say, middle of the pack, maybe you're an eight or nine-seeded team, if you win, you have to play a number one. And then a number maybe two or three or four, however it plays out, depending on who wins. And so you have a tougher road to the championship. 
But you take a look at everything, and then all of a sudden, now nobody's bracket is perfect. According to ESPN.com, out of 20 million or so brackets, most of them were busted day one, all of them definitely by day two, with Arizona and Purdue being the main factors. But when I look at the tournament, and this is what I want to get more specifically into, is that it kind of reminds me of life. Life is kind of like an NCAA tournament. Sure, we get... uh, we have the ups and downs, the emotions that you see. Maybe you've seen the, the memes of, I think it was that Utah State cheerleader kind of crying. And then you've seen other memes from years past of people crying or some sort of emotion by either winning or losing. And so life has its ups and downs like the NCAA tournament. You win some, you lose some. But how often are you selected as the favorite? How often are the life's experts picking you to be the Cinderella story, to not do so well in life? In high school, you have those, I guess, awards or whatever they give out, most likely to succeed. Did you get that? Ever wonder what the person that received the most likely to succeed award or acknowledgement is doing? I don't know. I don't really know. I don't remember who got in our class, but I don't know. Do we even care? Probably not. But again, there's the life's experts giving us expectations. You're not going to amount to anything in this world. Maybe our parents tell us that. Maybe teachers tell us that. Maybe coaches tell us that. Maybe there's other coaches that have a favorite player that they play all the time because they think they're really good. But are they really? Are they really that good? has number one draft picks. Think of number one draft picks in sports, NFL, NBA. Teams or that pick players that think they're going to do good. You think back to the Michael Jordan draft of whatever year that was in the uh, early to mid-80s when two players were picked ahead of Michael Jordan. Two players. And then... Michael Jordan was selected by the Chicago Bulls, and he became the best player, not only of that draft, but one of the all-time best players in the NBA. But two teams thought other players were better than Michael Jordan. So sometimes it's just a matter of perception, right? It's a perceived potential success. People perceived Kansas, perceived Purdue, perceived Arizona according to whatever information they were taking in that they were going to win or going to have a result that would be favorable to them. Maybe people look at you and they sit there and they say, well, according to what I see, this is what I predict your life might be like or this is what I predict your job might be like or this is what I predict your whatever might be like. And sometimes people search it out. You go to maybe life coaches or you read self-help books or you do whatever. Go to conferences and you try to figure out what am I good at in life. Maybe you take a test in school somewhere that's going to tell you what your traits are. That, And then those traits are supposed to make you be successful in whatever area you're supposed to be in. I think back to uh, my radio career. When I was in radio, I was fortunate to have some pretty good jobs. And I don't think if people were to be honest that they thought I would be 
maybe a favored team to win a championship. Maybe not championship quality. Probably not quite Princeton or FDU material, but maybe somewhere in the middle. I could do the job and get it done. But would I really have that success to be a championship type person? I don't know. I just didn't ever got that feeling. But my expectations were to be that champion. It didn't matter what other people thought. I was going to cut down those nets of life and be victorious. And that's what I set out to do. So I roll into, well, first off, before I roll into any town, I realized that I'm going to set my expectations higher than what anybody would set on me. So I roll into my first town, and I'm working with some people, and there's other coworkers that are doing working in radio, and a lot of people will kind of let you know as you walk into town, walk into the radio station, who the better uh, air personalities are and stuff. And okay, and then I look at them, and I'm like, I could be like them or even better if I apply myself. And so I look receive the information, and then I go after being better than them. Not because it's an ego thing. It's because that's my drive to be the best. I may not be the best, but that's my drive to be the best. And then I roll in the Scott's Bluff, same thing. People, here's this guy in town, the competition, and he's on the uh, competing radio station. In fact, he left the station that I, I filled his position because he went to another station. And he didn't think twice about me as any type of competition, but I was going to outperform him and then pretty soon I start having success over time because I'm I have my game plan I have my work ethic I'm out there out producing out working showing up to events doing interviews all this stuff and then pretty soon he takes notice and now he realizes there's a new game in town and so what does he do instead of upping his game he comes in for attacks gets nasty tries to back to uh, talk bad about me to other people and tear me down but didn't work now, eventually, he left town, maybe because of me, maybe not, but he eventually left town. But the point was is that people don't expect things from you sometimes, but yet you can surprise them. You can go from being non-thought of to a threat that drives competition out of town if you work hard. You can show those naysayers that tell you you can't do something because whatever reason they think you can't do something, but you know you can, so you set your mind to it. And so that's what I learned. I learned that, hey, whatever you think is good, I can do that. I might not be like them. I'm going to do it my own way, but I can be just as good, if not better. More people started listening, and then I kind of became the go-to radio station sports guy. People would listen to my broadcast over others. I was there. I did a good job. I was prepared. Had stats, had information was able to provide an entertaining yet inform, uh, informational broadcast. And then when I get to L.A., again, not sure if people really consider me a top-tiered person as far as a number one seed, so to speak, but I worked hard, showed that I can do it, hustled, and eventually took the show that I was working on, it was 12 to 4 at the time, to the number one rated show of that time slot, outworked the competition. In fact, the uh, air talent, they got ratings bonuses. That's how good we were doing. And then again, some people started to take notice for whatever reason. And then things started to change. The dynamic changed because maybe we're getting too big and we're taking recognition away from other people. In fact, some other shows started to get jealous. 
and started to complain about some of the things we were doing because we were outperforming them. We were outworking them, being more creative, coming up with ideas. But it was a time when it was an upset in life. I like to call it an upset in life because people don't think I would strive or achieve this level. And of course, it was teamwork. A lot of people pitched in to help out. But when you're the person in the hot seat that gets none of the credit and all the blame, even though a lot of the credit should go to you, you um, tend to push a little bit harder, right? And so I consider victory, cut down the nets of life. More people listening to us than the competition. And then I move on to another station, more of a faith-based conversation, talk show, and start working with that show. That show had been on the air, or that radio station had been on the air for 30 years. And it was, uh, I think, the 30th or 35th anniversary of that uh, radio station. And we got the news that we had more listeners listening to our show at that time than the station had at that time in over 30 years, live and local. Again, another victory of life, another cutting down the nets of life moment. Maybe people just threw me in there, and it was a, it was a troubled show at the time. People were doing their best, but it was a troubled show at the time. Needed a little bit of help, and so I stepped in. And again, working relationship, team effort with everybody else, we were able to put together a successful show. And again, another cutting down the moments, uh, cutting down the nets of life moment, a victory, I'll take it. So whatever it was, which would be education, coaching, anything in life, I try to do the best so I can achieve success. And so you don't always have to be that top seed. You don't always have to be the favorite because oftentimes the favored whatever doesn't win. In the NCAA tournament, I think it's only happened once, maybe twice. And again, in recent history, where the number one team, all four number one teams made it to the final four. A lot of them fall along the wayside, such as this year. The number two teams in this year, Um, Arizona Marquette, for example, have fallen. So a lot of top teams have fallen. A lot of the lower teams, the teams that weren't expected to do so well, have survived. And so you don't have to be the one that's the Heisman hyped to win it. You don't have to be the one that is the top pick in the draft to be the best ever. Tom Brady What was he like, picked 199th? Mike Piazza, former catcher for the Dodgers. Had a pretty much uh, Hall of Fame type career as a catcher. He was picked like one of the last picks. What about Brock Purdy? Isn't he Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy picked in the NFL draft? And he was leading the San Francisco 49ers to the playoffs? And there's a lot of other stories out there of people on both sides, that were picked low in the drafts and have gone on to have Hall of Fame-type careers, or maybe those that were picked high in the draft that were busts. You can think of a lot of them. Don't feel like we need to mention them, but there's a lot of them. And you can look it up. What about musicians? What about uh, people that win awards, or at least back in the day when awards were legitimately going to people with the talent? I mean, think about the biggest upset, Jethro Toll, the, uh, the Grammys, knocking off Metallica to win the Grammy. How'd that happen? 
For whatever reason, it did. A lot of controversy around that, but it happened. So again, the point is, if you are in life, okay, and you are sitting there and you are just going through life and you don't think that people's expectations of you are that great, are you going to live up to those mediocre or mediocre uh, expectations? Or are you going to rise above them? Are you going to make the naysayers eat their words, eat crow, as they say? Because your success only depends primarily on you. There's other things that matter, obviously. You know, there's no one size fits all. But your success is mostly due to you and your environment. And you pick your environment. You can pick your environment. You can choose that sometimes, right? The people you work with, the people you surround yourself with. But it's you. It's your ambitions. It's your goals. It's your desires. So with hard work, you can cut down the nets of your life in a championship moment. And when I refer to cutting down the nets, that's what happens when you win the championship. In basketball, you cut down the nets. And uh, it's become a tradition. Now they do it after the regional finals. Uh, just like popping champagne when you won the Super Bowl or maybe when you won the World Series, more, more importantly. I guess it started back with the World Series. You popped the champagne, and now they do it after you win a wild card game. So it's kind of got diluted down. But hard work, commitment to excellence. Raider fans, what happened to your commitment to excellence? But a commitment to excellence. Practicing perfectly. We always had a guy tell us, uh, you know, the saying was practice makes perfect. He told us that practice just reinforces whatever it is that you're doing. Perfect practice makes perfect. And so kind of makes sense. Whatever you're doing, if you do it often enough, it's just going to reinforce that. So you might as well do it correctly, perfectly. And then when you do it perfectly and you practice it perfectly, you're going to do it perfectly. Now, life's not perfect. There's going to be a lot of things that come with the struggles of life. But if you're practicing it or trying to do life as perfectly as possible, then you can overcome those obstacles because you have the mindset, because you have greatness in you. You're out hustling the competition, and you can bring out that inner greatness because you have inner greatness in you. You have greatness within you. You have the ability to do more than you can ever begin to imagine. See, I believe that anybody through observation and practice can perform at the level of excellence. But when you're pursuing your greatness, this is worth writing down, you don't know what your limits are, and you act like you don't have any. So I say to you, you have something special. You have greatness within you. So I like to play that a lot because, or often, just to reinforce. Got to get the message across because a lot of people have self-doubt. A lot of people don't believe in themselves. One of the biggest frustrations in education is when you, or in this case, let's say me, when I care more about the success of the student than the student, when I care more about the student than the student does themselves. That's the biggest frustration. Hammering home the point, you do have greatness in you. What that greatness is, we don't know. You have to bring it out. How far can that greatness go? We don't know. You have to bring it out and try. Could it be greatness to the levels of Athletic Hall of Fame or Grammy Award-winning music? We don't know. You may achieve that type of greatness. You may not achieve that type of greatness, but you may achieve greatness 
that impacts the lives of so many people in a positive way that inspires them to do things that they wouldn't do. See, greatness isn't defined by one thing. Greatness is defined by many things. Greatness can be a mom, a single mom that is raising a couple of kids, working a couple of jobs, just trying to keep ends meet or ends met. And they're out there doing whatever they can to provide. That's greatness. Greatness could be a couple building a life together. That could be greatness. Greatness could be a teacher, an educator, trying to provide the best education for a student. Greatness could be law enforcement, military, defending and protecting us from those that want to harm us. That could be greatness. So there's levels of greatness that often don't get defined as greatness because it's not perceived. You don't win the Academy Award for Best Actor, so you're not that great. You haven't done anything great in your life. Really? What about just having a great home life, providing for kids, being a mentor? What about achieving academic success, no matter what it might be? It might be high school education. Maybe it's an AA degree. Maybe it's a bachelor's. Maybe you're out there and you got a job promotion. Maybe you got a better job. Maybe you learned a skill. Maybe you got out of trouble. You had legal troubles because you screwed around and you were a knucklehead. And you got in trouble. But now you've worked your way out of that legal trouble. You're now out of prison, off probation, whatever. And now you're being a productive member of society, doing good things. See, there's a lot that success and greatness can be without having to arise to elitism. And oftentimes, that's what we look at. We look at this elitism as greatness, but that's not necessarily what greatness is. You can achieve greatness. It also depends on your circumstances. Are you a first-year student going to college? Are you a first-generational student? Are you somebody that has to overcome the loss of a loved one, dealing with death and grief? Are you the one that has to take care of family members because you're now the oldest in your family, or you're the one that's the most responsible. So now more responsibility is on you. I've known people that have had to leave school. They're so close to finishing, but they've had to leave school because they needed to take care of a parent. They needed to work more to contribute to the family because the family needed the extra income. People might look at that. Why did you leave school? You never achieved an academic success, so you're not that great. But at that moment in time, They were there for their family, sacrifice, sacrificing themselves and what they wanted to help the family. That's bringing out inner greatness. That's raising the standard, raising the standard of life, not only for yourself, but for others. Others depend upon you. And so you have to rise to the occasion. So do you? Do you rise to that occasion or do you just kind of raise the bar a little bit? and barely get by when you could do a little bit more and get by even more. I mean, think about this. Obstacles are going to come our way. We can't let them keep us down. You're going to lose a few games in life. You're going to lose a few games in sports, lose a few games in life. You get back up, you get back out there. That doesn't define who you are. You've heard the stories. You've heard the analogies like a Michael Jordan, for example, how many game-winning shots he's made. But how many game missing or losing shots he missed? How many free throws did he miss? How many games did he lose? 
In baseball, a statistic of about 300 for a batting average is considered all-star, maybe nowadays Hall of Fame, but 300 is good. You've hit the ball three out of 10 times, but it means you failed seven out of 10 times. You look at somebody like uh, Hank Aaron, or maybe if you want to even go Barry Bonds, home runs, lots of home runs, right? Hank Aaron, the non-steroid home run king. Barry Bonds, the steroid era home run king. They struck out many more times than they hit home runs. But we remember the home runs. We remember the victories. We remember the good times. But there's a lot of good times. There's a lot of people in the sports hall of fames that had a lot of failure. There's a lot of musical greatness out there. You too. Think of all the albums you too had, the success they've had. They've had some failed albums, albums that bombed. And I'm not talking in the early days. I'm talking post-status. They've reached status. And then they come out with some albums and they bombed. So you're not always going to have the championship moments in life. But do they stay there? No. They rebound. They get back out there. They do it again. They keep going. They keep going. It's kind of like you got to think about it sometimes, I think, like a treadmill. We want to get in shape. And so maybe we jump on a treadmill. And that's great. We're doing our exercise. We're running. But we're not going anywhere. 30, 40, an hour later, 30, 40 minutes, an hour later, you're in the same spot. You didn't go anywhere. But let's say you're outside. Now you're moving, doing the same thing. But now you're moving places. You're seeing things. You're experiencing things. Maybe you meet people along the way, depending on where you're running at. Okay? You get conditioned to the outdoors, the elements. It's a different environment. You're doing the same thing. You're running. You're exercising, getting in shape. But the environment is different. And the experience is different. And life can be that way. You can be successful in a cocoon, whatever that cocoon might be, the cocoon that you created for yourself. Or you can have success in a whole new world, an experience that adds greater success to your success. And so it's like, what would you want to choose? Well, that'd be up to you. But I would want to be the person that's out there experiencing things, adding to the success. So when I tell my stories of success, if I stayed in Esterville, Iowa at a radio station, I probably could have had a lot of success. Done well. Who knows what I could have achieved there if I'd stayed there. But I moved on. I went to the next station. Who knows how much success I could have had if I stayed there. But I moved on. Made it to L.A. Did L.A. radio for a number of years. And so every stop along the journey, I enjoyed success, thank God. But I also had a different experience. And that success with that experience makes it even better. So every time I moved from Esterville to Scotts Bluff, my standard was raised. From Scotts Bluff out to L.A., the standard was raised. Okay? And I had to do more. Had to, because the expectations were higher. Although my expectations were high, 
the expectations were higher. You went from family radio to corporate radio. You went from small town to big mar- major market, number two market in the world, right? And having success at each level. Could have had success in the smaller markets, and that would have been great, and the experience would have been fine. But then having success at a bigger place, and all that went with that, and the people I met, and the stories I can tell, it all just adds to the experience, but the success is the same. And so that's what you you can do. You can experience that. Maybe you're having some success right now, but maybe you want to have a better experience of success. Maybe it's time to look for opportunities. So what type of opportunities or how do you get there? What's the first step? What's the first step into trying to get better success or just achieving success or just moving forward? How do you do that? Mindset. You have to have the right mindset. Perhaps the mindset of a lion. If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheetah. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. And it's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas. But I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. Are you king of your jungle? How's your mentality? How's your mindset when you approach things? When you wake up in the morning? How's your approach to the day? That's tough. For a lot of people, the morning is the toughest part of the day, getting out of bed. Now, you early birds that like to get up and are morning people, good for you. But some of us, we're more creative at night. The morning's tough. How do we start our day? How do we start our work day? A new year, new challenges. So let this idea sink in. The way you think is the way you are. If you think you're a champion, you will be one. If you think of yourself as a loser, you will be one because it's all mindset. Take a look at anybody that has been successful. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, any number of successful people. They've wanted the ball when the game is on the line. They are not afraid to fail. They want the ball. That's the mindset you have to have. A lot of us are afraid to fail. We look at the negative and we're like, I don't think I can do that. But wait, if you don't think you can do that, you probably can't. And that's a negative slash failing attitude to have. So sometimes we have to overcome ourselves and our limitations We have to overcome our limitations to let that greatness come out. And limiting our limitations or overcoming our limitations, that might be the start of raising the standard in your life. It's something as simple as that, just working on ourselves. 
raising the standard in our own lives by overcoming ourselves because we limit ourselves to what we can do. We limit ourselves to our potential. We limit ourselves to our success. We limit ourselves to not wanting to put ourselves out there because we might fail. But yet, if we look at the positive, I'm going to put myself out there because I might succeed. I might win. I might have something good happen. And if something good happens, you know what? That's awesome. If something bad happens, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. And I'll do it again until I get success. That's my mentality. I get defeated. I suffer losses in life. There's times, days, experiences where things bomb. Many times a radio show that I produced has bombed, but I never gave up. Next day, success. Number one show. Okay, Ratings changed. Now we're not number one anymore. But let's strive to get back to number one. Another station, highest listenership in 35 years. Keep going. Keep going. Get more. Don't let the obstacles, the hurdles, don't limit yourself. That's the biggest thing. People limit themselves. Don't limit yourself. Allow yourself that greatness to come out. And it could start by raising the standard of getting rid of your limitations and allowing that greatness to come out. So I always had higher expectations in life than anybody would put upon me, whether it would be jobs, hobbies, whatever. It had to be the best. There's no second. Here's an example, okay, podcast-wise. So I used to do the show with a co-host, and we would get together, and the backdrop was different. If you've seen previous shows, you can go to our um, – you go to radiowarp.com, radio W-A-R-P, radiowarp.com, click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast logo, and all the shows will pop up, okay? And um, we'll also have shows on, on YouTube, and we have shows on uh, Instagram anyways. So you can find a spot, and you'll see that the backdrop is different. If you go to our Instagram page, TWO, Two Steps Ahead podcast, you'll see clips of past shows as well, and you'll see there's a backdrop. It's different from the wall that you see behind me. And this is something that we used to put up on a frame because we would basically tape the show different places, start out in a studio, and we'd put the backdrop up, and then the pandemic hit, and we had to move around my place, her place, different places, and we put this backdrop up, okay, on a frame. And I would spend a lot of time because I wanted this backdrop to be perfect. No wrinkles, no creases, like a flat wall. That's how tight I wanted it wrinkle-free I wanted it. The thing had to be exactly centered. I mean, it had to be just like OCD. And there'd be times where she would just want to give up in frustration and be like, dude, it's fine. Let's just get this done. And I'd be like, no, we got a wrinkle here, a crease there. That's where my perfection was. Whether good or bad, that's where it was. That was my expectation. My expectation was to have that thing just perfect so that when you looked at the visuals... It was pleasing. It wasn't, it was a reflection of me. The backdrop you see here is designed with a purpose. Now, you may or may not like it. That's your choice, but it's designed with a purpose. Everything on the wall either has a significant meaning to me or it has some sort of reflection of my interests in life or whatever. 
There's always there's some meaning. You've got some baseball hats over here. Obviously, there's a Twins. I'm wearing the Twins. You've got Axl Rose on a banner here, GNR. I like music. I like the banner. It's red, white, and blueish, American flagish. Obviously, I like music. Got some music quotes here. I love rock and roll. At the top, got some stuff up there that I enjoy every once in a while. Over here, uh, got this uh, gas pump. The gas pump, my grandfather had a Sinclair station back in uh, Minnesota on the Minnesota-South Dakota line. So that couldn't really find a Sinclair one. But that kind of reminds me of the um, gas pumps that he had. A motorcycle, uh, maybe one day I'll get a motorcycle, you know. And then, of course, the gas can kind of goes with the Route 66 kind of flair. But it also reflects the garage my grandfather had, okay. So there's a lot of different things that you see on the wall, friend of mine made the TSA sign, okay? So there's a lot of things on the wall that reflect me, reflect some of the things I have. There's a baseball glove. There's the Eiffel Tower from Las Vegas because I like Las Vegas. So there's a lot of things. So I, if there's, this isn't random is the point. There's thought into this. And there's thought that I want to make it perfect. And if you've seen the evolution of the show with the backdrop, from the backdrop of the two steps ahead podcast sign to the blank walls to a, uh, like a neon light that was over here before and some other things. It took a while to get to this point because everything had thought and purpose. Now, the point of that again is that was my mindset. My mindset, I wanted everything to look a certain way. And until it gets to that point, I'm not going to do anything. And now it's at the point where I enjoy it. And then sometimes these hats will switch out because I have others and I enjoy the look. And I've achieved what I want to achieve. And hopefully you like it too. But it's more about me. So it's a strive for perfection. You might never reach it. In fact, you probably don't reach perfection because perfection is unattainable in this frail life that we have. But we strive for it. And if you're striving for it, then you will always be improving and getting better. Kind of like Nike, just do it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk your way out of it. Don't think about doing it. Just go after it. And if you go after it, then you might find yourself having that success. So just do it and start now. Why not start now? I've seen, I don't know why, inst- uh, social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. You know, you get different videos pop up. And I don't even know the algorithms anymore. Sometimes things just randomly pop up. And I might see a dog, like a puppy. Uh, somebody has a puppy. It's at the top of the stairs. And it's too small to get down or it's too scared to get down. So it sits there and whimpers and whines until it figures out how to get down, right? Or the most recent one I saw was there was this like basset hound, adult basset hound with a puppy basset hound. And the adult basset hound goes out the doggy door to the outside. Well, then the flap closes. And so now the puppy doesn't know how to go out the, the doggy door because the flap is closed. Doesn't know just to push through. And so it's yelping and whining and looking out the, the glass to try to get outside. But it can't because I haven't figured it out. So it's just whining, whining, whining. Don't be those dogs that sit there and whine. Eventually, they figure it out, and they get down the stairs to get out the doggy door. Somebody might help them, whatever. But eventually, they figure it out. Next thing you know, once they figure it out, they're up and down. They're in and out. They're all over the place, right? But there had to be a little bit of training or maybe showing them or demonstration, whatever. But when they sit there and yelp and whine, maybe it's cute at first, but it gets annoying. It's annoying as heck. It's like, figure it out, dude. If I can just be straight up, figure it out. 
Figure it out. Go for it. Just do it. Be that dog that finds the solution. And if you don't know what the solution is, find somebody to help you. And if you don't know anybody to help you, hit me up. I give you my contact info all the time. Hit me up. I'll try to help as best I can. Or I like working kindergarten because kindergartners, they kind of get tired as the day wears on. And they really don't want to do things. They're not motivated, so they whine. I can't do this. Well, yeah, you can. You just don't want to. No, I can't. You do it. I'm not doing it. I graduated kindergarten like a lifetime ago. You do it. And so I like to sit there and kind of have this conversation with them because I amuse myself for one. But I'm amazed that they sit there and they just don't want to. That's what it comes down to. It's not that they can't. They just don't want it. Because if you put something else in front of them, like an iPad, hey, they're going to knock that thing out of the park because it's something they want to. So sometimes, yes, we do have to do things we don't want to do. But that doesn't mean we can't be successful in those things that we don't want to do, but we, we have to, whether it be job, whether it be school, relationships, family, whatever. There are times where we have to do things that we don't want to do, but instead of whining about it and crying about it, we get it done. So my advice to you today is just get it done. Start now. Get off that treadmill. You've practiced. You've rehearsed. You're ready. Raise that standard. Bring out that inner greatness. Let yourself be great. Take that passion. Make it happen. Another thing I like about sports is the many lessons we can learn. Okay. Recently, I came across this story. I think it's an older story. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's probably a number of years old by now. But the lessons to be learned are relevant today. So there's a, a schoolish type thing. I guess it's a juvenile correction facility down in Texas, Gainesville, Texas. And um, it's for felony offenders, high school age felony offenders, I guess. And one of the perks, if you behave and do well, is you get to play basketball. And then you get to, every once in a while, go on the road, get out of the facility, go to another school and play a basketball game, real-life competition. Now, most of the time, because these are felons and they're you know youthful felons, they usually don't have a support system. So usually they play in a gym that has no fans on their side. Okay. So one game they were playing against Vanguard college prep and this happened. If you're a fan of high school basketball, you're not alone. But if you're a fan of the Gainesville tornadoes in Gainesville, Texas, then you are alone. Usually our fan base was close to zero. My parents came uh, one game, but they didn't come to the other ones because they didn't have time. The other students at Gainesville don't come to the games either, mostly because they can't get out. This is a juvenile correction facility for felony offenders. And one of the few perks here for very good behavior is a chance to leave the prison a few times a year to play basketball. They play against private schools like Vanguard College Prep in Waco. And it was before that recent matchup that two Vanguard players announced they weren't going to play against a team with no fans. No one likes playing in an empty gym. But isn't that supposed to be a good thing for you? You don't have the other fans cheering against you? I guess, but it just seems weird, you know? It just didn't seem right. So, before their home game against Gainesville, Hudson Bradley and Ben Martinson asked some of the Vanguard fans for a favor. To cheer for Gainesville instead. The Gainesville players had no idea what was happening. They walked onto the court to find their own signs of support, their own cheerleaders, even their own fan section. 
half the crowd was assigned to cheer for Gainesville. But then as it went on, everybody just kind of got so into it. Nobody was cheering everyone, for you. <laughs> everyone was cheering for them. I mean, every time they scored, the gym was just lit up with cheering and clapping, and everyone was on their feet. This is not what I've ever seen sports be. I think in a way, this is kind of how sports should be. It, it just kind of showed me the real impact that encouragement and support for anybody can make. Hudson says we all need someone to believe in us. We all need someone who knows our mistakes and loves us anyway. And for that, the Gainesville players can't thank those boys enough. It's something I won't forget. When I'm an old man, I'm just going to be thinking about this. I'll probably remember that for the rest of my life. And finally, as for who won the game, well, obviously they didn't care. So why should we? So there's a story of a couple of basketball players that came up with the idea that their opponent, felons, did something bad, obviously, but felt that they needed fans. So they reached out to their fellow classmates, schoolmates, their own fans, and said, hey, can you go be on the other side of the gym and cheer for the other team? So could you imagine when this team runs out and they've got people cheering for them? I'm sure at first they're probably taken aback, like, is this a joke? But then eventually they realized it was genuine. It was real. So that's a pretty amazing thing that they came up with this idea. Takes a lot of maturity, maybe some empathy to understand what the others are going through. The Gainesville team. Kindness, right? Have a kindness in the heart. Seeing other people for who they really are and not just necessarily for what they've done. Sure, there's some people that probably are just evil, and that's just who they are. But maybe these young kids just made a mistake, got caught up with the wrong influences, doing their time, taking their punishment. Obviously, good behavior because they're out playing basketball, so they're maybe having a second chance at life, and they're making the most of it. And here this group starts with two players, turns into a school, Start supporting the other team. It's pretty amazing. So in the spirit of these boys, in the spirit of this school, in the spirit of this action and these attitudes that these fans demonstrated, I would ask you, what can you do? How can you make an impact on someone's life? What can you do? Is there someone or something that you can do? that they might remember for the rest of their lives? Obviously, whatever their crime was, if it was a victim crime, obviously the victim is going to have a negative impact the rest of their life and not think very highly, probably, of the person that committed the crime, the felon, right? But now imagine the felon was impacted by stranger, strangers, and they say this is something that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. See, here's a positive impact. And maybe that helps change the course of the life of the Gainesville players, the ones that committed the crimes. You know, last week we talked about loving your enemies, or the last podcast was loving your enemies, right? And there was a person, Corey Ten Boom. She was a concentration camp survivor. In fact, she wasn't even Jewish. She hid Jews. Uh, She hid Jews from the Nazis, and that's why she was thrown in a concentration camp. 
And she's walking the streets of Berlin years later. In fact, she got out because of a clerical error, or at least that was the reason. But she says God set her free because she had a Christian faith. But she meets the guard, at least one of the guards, from the concentration camp that is responsible, directly responsible, for not only the death of her sister, but many other people. And this concentration camp guard, who I guess had since become a Christian, received faith, the same faith that Corey Ten Boom had during her concentration camp stay, came up to her and said, I'm a Christian now, and I want to ask you for forgiveness, and held out his hand to shake Corey Ten Boom's hand. In that moment, she couldn't do it, but ultimately, she was able to do it, forgave him, okay? And so, it's like these kids. Okay, these high school kids did something wrong. They committed a felony. That's why they're in prison. But the Vanguard basketball team, the school, showed them a love and they did it without wanting anything in return. So Corey Tamboom eventually forgave. These basketball players might not have been the victims, but in essence forgave the felons, these young kids, of what they did and showed support for them instead of turning their back on them and gave them a memory of a lifetime. So what can you do? What will you do to have an impact like that? You ever think about that? What random act of kindness do you do? And one thing I should say, here's just a quick note. If you do a random act of kindness to somebody, keep in mind that their response might not be what you expect. Maybe it's kind of a like negative response at first before they realize what's going on. I'll tell you why. Real quick story. I was at a drive through restaurant, and it was late at night. I was coming back from teaching class, and I stopped at the drive through because I was hungry. And so I made my order. There was a couple cars in front of me. Eventually, I get to the window, and the uh, restaurant employee said that my order was paid for. I'm like, what? Go, yeah, the car in front of you, I didn't know them, complete strangers, paid for my order. And immediately my reaction was, did they poison my food? What's going on? This is like crazy. I didn't realize that that could be a type of reaction because at first I was skeptic. As a skepticism set in, I'm like, what? Well, there's got to be something more to this. No, and it was, I'm still alive today, ate the food, but it was just a random act of kindness done to me. So again, keep in mind that if you do random acts of kindness, we are, it might be met with skepticism because we are trained to believe that people are bad. Don't talk to strangers. Don't get in car with strangers. Don't take candy from strangers unless you're getting in an Uber car. Walk to the other side of the street if you see bad people coming or suspicious people coming, right? We're trained not to trust people. And society has taught us that. So it's legit. But just keep in mind, if you're doing these random act of kindness, the response might not be what you think. And it's not because of their ungratefulness. It might be because they're conditioned not to trust people. And so the more we do that, hopefully the more we can break that down. And the more we can get society to have a real discernment between what is kindness and goodness and versus the evils that society has. And you're starting to see an, an increase in crime that way. I, don't, I forget what they call it, but I just read the other day, an increase of someone coming up acting as if they're going to be helpful and kind. And then a partner comes and commits the crime, robs them, beats them, whatever. So yeah, we have to be skeptical, 
But again, just a side note to random acts of uh, random acts of kindness. They might not respond a certain way that you think they should because we're conditioned not to. Just like me, I talk about it all the time. This is things we should do. I like to do random acts of kindness to people, and then someone does it to me, and I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute, what's going on?" I'm skeptical. So, just food for thought. But again, what can you do? What will you do? And will you do it? This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. The website, RadioWarp.com, Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the, uh, the icon, the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo, and our shows will pop up. You'll see actual video that takes you to our Rumble page, which you can subscribe and never miss an episode. Also, there's like an orange banner that you can click. It's the audio portion takes us to your SoundCloud account. You can download those episodes, those audio episodes, and take them with you on the go. So that's convenient. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Google Podcasts. You can internet search TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, the whole thing, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. You can also do Hey Siri, Hey Google, Hey Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead podcast, and our most recent show will pop up. So we're pretty much everywhere. All you have to do is just look. We have Instagram, again, TWO, Two Steps Ahead podcast. You can check out our Instagram page, website page, YouTube, SoundCloud, Rumble. I mean, we're pretty much everywhere. And so um, we appreciate it. If you would um, tell a friend, we'd appreciate that as well if you like what you hear. If you want to reach out, you can email the show, Two Steps Ahead podcast at gmail.com. And again, TWO, it's important. Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com and um, reach out and I can respond depending on whatever it is that you uh, send. I can try to help you, guide you to resources, just chat. If you want to say hello, uh, whatever. Uh, by all means, reach out um, and um, let me know what's going on in your life. And if you want to know more about me personally, it's my personal Instagram at EdemRocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And you find out a little bit more about my uh, personal life if that is of interest to you. But hey, what can you do? What will you do? Will you allow yourself to overcome your own limitations, raise your standard a little bit to bring out that inner greatness? Because if we raise the standard, we bring out inner greatness, we achieve success then hopefully that success will inspire and motivate others to want to do the same. Raise the standard, bring out their greatness, take their passion, make it happen, and then they inspire others, and so on and so on and so on. And then pretty soon, one little thing or one little something that happened in our lives is now affecting and having an impact positively on others. And that's what we'd like to see. So again, this is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. I'm Son Edom. Hey, take your passion Make it happen. Let yourself be great. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.